Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, motivational speaker, and best of all, dad. And today we have Ryan Steffens with us, and we are discussing kind of this idea of like building in a choose your own adventure. But before the two of us dive into those murky waters, uh, let's have Ryan give a little uh, introduction to himself a little bit. Uh, I'm Ryan Stevens. Uh, this is my 15th year teaching, third year gamifying. Uh, I teach uh, eighth grade social studies in uh, Olathe, Kansas. Yeah. Social studies. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Social studies is so fun. Um, and I think social studies would is just a great subject that can be integrated into other subjects, you know, uh, because we can take those other skills, you know, whether they're writing skills, presentation skills, you know, creative skills of the arts and infuse it into our classes because uh, our content is, is, is can, can be just like a nice backdrop to any of these projects. I love it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Talk with your English teachers, get them like say, how can I help you with writing skills? How can I help you with presentation skills? We can do that in my class. And yeah, I love it. I love it. So, uh, yeah, this idea, choose your own adventure. Uh, this this all got kicked off. This this whole podcast today, this episode one hundred and forty eight. Wow. I can't believe we're about to hit the one fifties. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, this all got started because of a tweet you put out in last week's XP Lab chat. Uh, got to give a little brief commercial here. XP Lab yeah. is a great community. So hashtag XP Lap on Tuesdays at nine Central Standard Time. A wonderful community of people sharing out. All sorts of great ideas. Yeah, uh, and, and Ryan put out last week uh, this map that he had sort of created and that he was going to use. And it was it was so awesome to see other people in the community just kind of say like, hey, now, like, can you share a little bit of this with us and tell us more? And uh, it got quite a bit of buzz. And I, I instantly was like, let's chat about this. So give us give us a little background your game first and then like maybe why we went to this map idea yeah so um so i started my game around indiana jones i'm like a huge indiana jones nerd there's a huge part of me that's uh, was bummed out when i discovered that's not what archaeologists do um, and but it was uh so I, I love the idea of that adventurous aspect of learning and, and creating a game around it. And I realized I'd gotten so tied into the canon of Indiana Jones that I had run out of characters or maybe item ideas and things like that that fit. And I realized I needed to break out of that. And I thought the best way to do that is let's reimagine the world where this exists. Uh, I teach U.S. history and sometimes I get so tied into, oh, it's got to look like the U.S. from that time period. And so I thought, well what's the best way to kind of create your own adventure? Um, Dungeons and Dragons and not being a huge Dungeons and Dragons guy, I kind of got into it a little bit with my board game club and I thought, hey, let's uh, let's play around with a template. And I thought, ooh, a hexagonal template would be kind of a neat way to kind of move around a, a world. And so I thought, well, let's play out the map. Let's see what the map looks like. And I just started, kind of found some templates online from uh, this blog and use some colored pencils to kind of lay it out and then said, okay, that's the, that layout, but I don't want to have to try to lose resolution by blowing that up. So how are we going to turn it digital? And so <laughs> went into Google drawings and laid it out with hexagons that way and measured it all out. Uh, and I got to figure out how to print it onto a size that'll fit into a big game board that I can lay out. I kind of like the idea of a physical game board where kids can actually kind of move their character around. 
That's pretty awesome. I mean, so right now, while Ryan's talking here, I have the map up and I'll put a link in the show notes to that tweet. So if you want to check out the map while we discuss it, it's, it's pretty awesome. He's got all these hexes laid out there and there are different terrain types and he's kind of laid it out in, he, he was a master cartographer here. I mean, he was really <laughs> pretending to explore his world and, you know, you can kind of see these forests and these mountains and these hills He's got these the, the, this water around these little swamp areas, these little beach areas. Uh, it's awesome, and and my head is just like exploding with ideas of like what we could do and like how kids could interact with it and different little you know vignettes and stories that could take place in all these various areas, uh, reasons to move from one area to the other, like little yeah. quests that you have to sort of take something from one space and bring it to the other. Uh, whew, my mind is just on fire, Ryan. Yeah, I, and that was kind of my thought too, is so when I laid it out, I wanted students to be able to go from kind of each region being one of our units that we study. And I thought, well, how can we get kids kind of moving around? I'm still kind of working out, you know, a dice roll mechanic that allow them to do that because I love having dice for them to roll. Kids love that. But I thought if they could move from maybe there's one region that or a few regions that aren't necessarily tied to a units, but it's great places to discover and uncover kind of hidden quests. When you, when it comes time for you and your group to move from one or your guild or your squad, whatever you want to call it from one unit to the next, you could, well, Hey, we we're going to go through this forested area here. Cause there might be a really cool quest here or, Hey, we just got this, uh, boat item that allows us to travel over water. So maybe we'll just bypass those extra quests and kind of go jump into the next unit and explore that ahead of time and see what's out there. I mean, I thought kind of all these different ways that they would have autonomy and kind of control of how they move through the curriculum with certain restrictions, obviously. I mean, I teach the Civil War. I don't want kids exploring the Civil War necessarily before they understand the backstory to it, but creating little mountains say, ah, those are the impassable mountains. There's no way through there. You're going to yeah. have to find another way around. <laughs> That's awesome. I dig it. Uh, so, I mean, that, that really hits with, today's theme right this sort of choose your own adventure so you're going to use this map both for your game and your curriculum is what i'm understanding here yeah yeah that was kind of the idea is to kind of lay it out there and say guys this is a, where we're headed you know so if i roll it out in fourth quarter they'll kind of already be in the game a little bit uh, quite a bit actually this year but you know next year those kids come in and say this is our world this is where we live this is where our content lives this is where our game lives these this is what we've got to do. And we've got to get through all of these different little pieces, but you get to choose the way you go through it. You get to choose how you go through it. You get to choose if you decide, you know what, I don't want to jump ahead because I really want to, you know, find this little quest. Cause I know there's probably an item that's going to give me some cool ability in class. Cause I love having those items sure. or, you know, Hey, my buddy's got this item and I don't have enough to trade with him. And so I want to gain a few more and I want to be able to trade my students this year. They created the currency for my class without me asking. That's awesome. Uh, for me, like uh, the closest I have to this sort of player interaction, this, this sort of them inside your world is I did a YouTube video last year on these buildings that I have. And all right. my students have avatars and they get to be at a building and a building is like a temporary bonus, mm -hmm. you know, or they get to do something special by being at that building. Um, but I like this idea of being like 
in a larger world because the buildings make it very almost intimate world like you're almost in a town right like and you right. go to this building that building this building but like the the world view there of the map and and you could possibly infuse both ideas like you could have a bulletin board that might have some of the buildings at some of the major towns yeah that, so the, yeah i was kind of thinking that you know they could say oh hey i'm looking at this map there's this if we just head over into this uh well hexagon over here there's there's a town over here and that building might give us a boost because i know there's a boss battle coming up and i want exactly uh, to improve like, our weapons and i was thinking i don't know if you've ever played the video game civilization Oh, yes, that is my jam. That is <laughs> so kind of that same idea, right? Where they have the large scale world, but if you click yeah. on, you know, Berlin or whatever, boop, boop, you go inside Berlin and can see all the, the buildings that are in there, and you can optimize that city for, you know, like making taxes or making culture or whatever the case right. might be. Uh, it could be kind of cool, that same thing, like reasons to go. And then when you have these cities on your map with some of these buildings in there, I think that would be easier for you to write these sort of quests or storylines because now it might be that you have to travel to this far city to find this like, you know, guy in the marketplace. And, you know, like sure enough, like there's a marketplace, a big marketplace in that city and a reason to go there to find that guy and pick up this yeah. object. There's Yeah, there's so many different ways that kids could then become kind of it becomes a customized experience for every kid. And. You know, they the best part about that is when they go to hype up the game to the next group of kids that are coming in, they can't say, well, when you do this, this thing is going to happen. And then it's like just all canned out. It's like, no, for me, this is what I did. But who knows where the buildings are going to be next time or. Hey, yeah, that would be an easy switch, yeah. right? You could yeah. all of a sudden switch cities, uh, switch yeah. little vignettes, switch where those guys are. Um, that'd be pretty, pretty easy to do. Um, yeah, it would be. That's awesome. I really love this idea. So you you were talking about movement uh, on the sort of D&D board. Yeah. This, this, I will admit, there was one year I tried a map. So mm -hmm. I don't want to freak you out. I tried a map once, yeah. and I couldn't crack the code, or I didn't give it enough of my mental energy to like figure out how to make it work. And where I struggled was... Movement was one of them. Like, mm -hmm. you don't want to make it so slow that, like, who cares? You know, right. like, <laughs> uh, but you don't want to make it so fast. They zip around the board and there's, like, you lose a lot of game mechanics when it goes so fast. Because, right, you want mechanics of, like, well, they have to go to this port city to get a ship to sail across the right. sea. Right. But if, like, you make them move 20 spaces on the board, then, like, they're going to just do all that in one day and they don't really feel the sense of travel. They don't feel the sense of, I got on the boat, I had to wait, and then I had to like cross the sea. Um, yeah. So one, I didn't figure out the time and like the speed at which they could move. And two, I, well, I think I sort of cracked this, but I couldn't, I don't know how many students you have, but like I have about 100 students. and That's about mine. Like, how are you going to have a hundred students on that game board? So you print it out. It's on one of your bulletin boards. Like, yeah. How are you going to have a hundred data points on top of your cities, on top of your quests, on top of your impassables? Yeah. So I, I looked at that and I think I may have a solution for at least the, getting them all on the board is I measured it out because I'm like that kind of person who has to measure it out exactly. <laughs> I love it. Um, but I measured it out and it would be about if I printed it and made it a physical board, it'd be about a six and a half square feet. 
Um, and there's about 600 or so hexagons on that space. So you've got definitely enough space, I think, for about 100 kids could pretty easily uh, exist within it. The other thing I thought about doing is where if they move as like a guild, having maybe a separate indicator for like our guild is in this location. And if that's on the map, then our whole guild is there yeah. rather than hey, just individually jumping off of here kind of a thing and that might work out. Um, as far as movement goes, I kind of have one little restriction in there I, I like is that if you complete like a unit of content that we're doing in one of those regions, um, you can maybe explore a region that's, that's not necessarily tied to a unit, but you could, um, uh, but you couldn't move on to the next unit without your whole guild with you. And I think that kind of almost creates a sense of team building too, because then they're like, Oh man, I maybe worked ahead on this, but the other two members of my guild aren't quite with me. And I can be, Hey, can I work ahead? Now you can't move on to the next unit without your guild. So how can you help them? How can you sure. give them advice? Kind of be that expert with them and say, Oh, Hey, here's that source that you're going to need for this and kind of helping them out as they go, which I think is kind of a neat camaraderie building and giving them a sense of, Hey, we're on this journey together. I go. like that. That's a nice little layer. That's a nice little addition. Uh, when I did it, I broke them down into guilds. That was my, mm -hmm. and that, that worked, but like my ultimate goal was to have the individual autonomy. Like I really wanted their player to be able to move around and, and, in the class, they're definitely in their guild, but I thought it'd be kind of cool if in the game they're independent, which meant they could create different like raiding parties. You know, like they could say like yeah. five of us, and those five could come from different classes, different guilds. You know, need to go over to the space to do this. You know, thing. Uh, that's that was my pinnacle. That's what I really wanted to have happen, but I never got there. But I also didn't print one that large, so my mine was on like a, maybe a three by three. So mine was probably half of yours. Yeah. And mine wasn't, mine wasn't really hexagonal based. Mine there, it was city based and like the cities were kind of like the spots in which you had to stop. So you kind of go one city over, you know, was your, your travel that you could yeah. make. Uh, yeah. That was kind of my thought too. So I thought like the hexagons kind of just create that iterative process almost as you go. And it's just figuring out how do we, how many spaces can you move within a certain class period? And if, you know, you don't get to a city by this time, what happens? You know, what encounter do you have along sure. the way? Kind of a thing. And, um, you know, that, that kind of is what I'm kind of trying to work through is where does, where do these encounters happen? Um, and that sort of thing. Or maybe, or maybe that's a great opportunity for a player v player interaction. Say, hey, you you may be not interacting with another player on the team on, in the game, um, but maybe a non-playing character, you know, Oh, Hey, you didn't make it to the city and you're lost in this forest. All of a sudden this um, raiding party Come <laughs> comes out you. there. How are you going to defeat them? And obviously answering questions about content or demonstrating skills that we want them to demonstrate is how they would get around that. Sure. What yeah. I, what I like, and I kind of want to point out to everyone else that's sort of listening here is when you hear, Ryan sort of talked this through. Do you see how like having a theme, I just want to like hit this again, yeah. makes it so much easier to like become creative and like 
it also a game like frees you design wise. I mean, like listen to them talk like they can end up having this extra quest, this extra mission, this extra challenge. A guy could be left behind. We have to go get him. Like all of that wrapped around what what ultimately will be a bunch of history challenges and a, a bunch of you know history projects or history like research that they have to do. Um, but you can do it in such a different manner. I mean, it's so hard to really sum up and explain to somebody that hasn't gamified like. It is. So, I I feel like it's so freeing to teach oh. in a gamified model. Yeah, absolutely, it is. I mean, you you start to see your content in a whole new way, and you see it as that learning adventure and wonder that we always want for kids. I mean, I I'm a big believer that if it's adventurous, wondrous, and empowering, kids are going to learn, and that and that's the way to go about it. Well, and um, it's that it's that natural feeling of learning. Yeah. And for you, adding this layer of a map and an area in which they can interact, a, a place they can see themselves in that game, that that only takes it to that next level of that that like juicy, delicious, like fully immersive level. Uh, yeah. So absolutely. I am I am super jazzed to hear that you're you know you're working on this and that you're doing this. You had talked about getting some inspiration for from D and uh, a few episodes back we talked about D and on here and i think it's fascinating i think there's a lot that can be done in the gamified education space using D and model D and like methodology mm-hmm. uh and you had mentioned that you haven't been much of a D player i haven't ever played D. uh what are some of the things that you've you know, like explored, you, you've sort of gotten so far, your early research, if you could share. Yeah, it, it actually kind of started last year when I was running the board game club on Fridays. I had about three or four kids uh, come in and they say, hey, you know, this is board games, tabletop games, but you don't have Dungeons and Dragons. And I said, I was never much of a D&D guy, so I didn't know kind of all the ins and outs, kind of had a general idea. And they said, well, we'd love to play it every, you know, Friday. I said, okay, I, I think we can probably do that. So I found a starter kit. <laughs> For it, you know, basic adventure, basic kind of player sheets. And I started looking at it and I was like, well, this is what I do in class. I mean, this is, you know, you've got experience points. You earn items or purchase items, I guess, in the in the game. And you create your sort of customizable character. And what happens to you in the game impacts future decisions down the line. And I thought, that's absolutely perfect. And then, you know, obviously you're moving through a world. So you've got a dice roll that impacts that. And the dice impact uh, how you defeat a boss, how you interact with that uh, boss. I mean, there's so many different elements with it. And the best part about it is you're kind of individual, but at the same time, you kind of have a group that you're with. Uh, and as people kind of, oh, hey, I don't want to necessarily go on this quest right now. I want to go over here and, you know, interact and buy something in this marketplace. And or maybe this the group breaks apart and then says, hey, we're going to go this way. This other group's going to go that way. And so you create an interactive uh, space. And I thought, wow. That's what I want in, in my game. I want kids to learn in U.S. history that way instead of just, um, oh, hey, by the way, we're going to read this primary source and we're going to do some analysis. And that's important and those are valuable and that we need to do that. But I thought document analysis might be the most boring thing in the world to do if there's nothing engaging mm-hmm. behind it. And I think, oh, hey, deciphering this document unlocks a key to open this door and all of a sudden there's this cool item that's behind it that allows you to hey i'm going to go use the pod space that's outside my room now and because i have this item i can do that sure and you can see that wow if i earn all of these things and can demonstrate these skills here i gain increased freedom and autonomy 
not just in the game, but also in my life within the, the classroom itself. Well, it really, it really shows that like growth of knowledge produces yeah. greater skills, which does lead to greater access. I mean, in real life, I mean, like gaining skills is going to get open up jobs and open up possibilities and career advancement. So it's a, it's kind of neat to embed that in, in their sort of daily life. And the other thing too is hearing you talk, it just sounds so like fun. It sounds so like national treasure esque, you know, like I'm going to like, Oh man, I'm going to pour over this, you know, original articles and, and try to like really unlock this to, to get past this thing. I can help my group. I could be a leader. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that, that's just, it's totally choose your own adventure. I'm super excited. Absolutely. Like we had, uh, I, I, I don't like to talk too much about all the things to get us off, but I had one where the students, one of my favorite stories is, is the story of the whale ship Essex and, you know, in the heart of the sea was a great book by Nathaniel Philbrick. Um, so I read it and I was like, oh, that is a side quest. I mean, we're not going to talk about whaling in Kansas with U.S. history. I mean, nope, but, not going to happen. But I can make that a side quest. And so I did. And the kids got into it and they were like, oh, my gosh, I never knew all of this. They had to like make a map of the whole journey of the Essex and they had to research what happened to the, to the crew. And then at the end, they did this awesome map and they got this item. And it's a whale's tooth. And it kind of tells a brief synopsis of the story. And it allows them to eat snacks in class i mean that's all it does I and mean, that's all the item does but the kids were like oh that connects to the first mate who was seen hoarding food who yeah. was hoarding food after he died in his attic and they're like yeah you just connected content to this you know small little card that i printed off and gave you but because you did all that research you see the value in what you learned and- yeah games have like a natural way of doing that you know i think about kids and adults who can memorize all sorts of like sports stats, you know, that mm-hmm. arguably is meaningless and arguably is worthless unless you literally are the guys that get to draft these people. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but like they, these stats are like super memorized and people can rat, rattle them off from like the 1980s and the 1960s and the 19, you know, nineties and whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, but games have that natural way of like they're when you have that vested interest, acquiring and keeping that knowledge then goes up and you know we we have seen that play out in some gamification research uh, in schools is you know sometimes the final assessment the scores are the same people that have gamified and not gamified but when they give that same assessment you know six Mm -hmm. months later uh the retention is way higher in a gamified classroom uh, because because it was it was personal it was relational it was they, they truly connected with it uh, yeah that's that is one of the many reasons why I gamify and I love this idea you're taking it to even a more personal level with the map uh, more engaging level uh, I encourage you to continue to sort of explore building out that map uh, I doubt you'll get it right just that first time no never never definitely not but that's okay I, I tell kids hey. This one fell flat on its face. Let's but, figure out how we can make it better. But the thing that I also love what you're saying here in this podcast is, and I hope everybody's caught it, he's going to go do it. Go ahead and do this fourth quarter. And I always think of my fourth quarter as the perfect incubator because you don't have to waste any time teaching the kids like your standard flow. You know, like right. what, what I used to have to like, put very clear directions, spend five minutes going over how to do something in class. Now I literally can like write one word on the board and they're like, yep, that's my homework. I get it. I know what I'm doing. 
Um, and so in that fourth course, seeing that like your daily tasks, your normal work has gotten reduced so low, this gives you and the students the capacity to try something else, try something different. And if it flops, like, boop, you don't have to start that next year. If it was good enough, if you saw a kernel of goodness, you have the summer to like sort of iterate that whole process and put it in play for that first quarter. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things I, I did this year and implemented was, you know, John Meehan's QR break-ins. I was like, that that's front-loading my content right there. I mean, that's, I tell the kids, uh, so we can do stations for, you know, two, two and a half days, or you're going to have to listen to me and take some notes for about <laughs> three days. And every time they're like, oh no, we don't want to listen to a lecture for, <laughs> for that long. Let's, <laughs> let's go through stations at our own pace. And I thought, well, let's put that into that map. You know, you, you get into a region here and the first thing you encounter is a, is a building or a village and you got to go through this village and all that time, every little building or, or room that you go through is, oh, hey, this is exploring this little background knowledge that's going to help me yep. down the road in this unit or maybe in the next unit as we go. It's like, oh yeah, remember when I wrote that down in my journal? I can come back to that and use it a little bit later. And then they start to discover the connections between not only time periods, but also between Hey, if I take a, a few decent notes here, I can use that later on to help me. And so that's awesome. This brings us to reflection time and, and it's a nice transition here. They, you ready for the quote here? Uh, absolutely. All right. This was by Peter Steinhardt and it is a perfect quote for today's topics. It says maps are a way of organizing wonder. Yeah. Oh, that I love that. That was that good, is, right? Yeah, that is deep. Two history oh. teachers sitting here saying like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that like, so I mean, I think about like when I unfold a map, like my wife and I go to like national parks and the thing we do is like we grab that like brochure that they give you, right? Yep. The thing and I laminate them and I have them at the back of my room and I don't even know that we use them for anything. I just love the decoration of them. But I get so into just, oh, this is this trail or this is this location and you just... Think, what am I going to find along the way? And I think that quote is just perfect for not just uh, uh, this kind of gamified map, but also just education. You know, if we set that up and lay it out in front of them and say, this is what we're going to explore uh, this year. And then the kids look at it and say, oh, we're going to go through all of this. And how can I get from there to there? Because I know a little something about the Civil War. So I, I want to get to that unit real quick. How do I get there? And they have to plan out their journey. And all of a sudden, what they don't realize is they're laying out an educational path for themselves of what skills do I need? What knowledge am I going to need to be successful? And they're designing it. I love it. You know, this idea of teachers, we, we have scope and sequence. We've mapped out what we want them to learn. But uh, Peter Steinhardt here taking it to that next level saying that maps are a way of organizing wonder and if we thought of our curriculum if we thought of those scope and sequence maps as we are laying out and organizing like experiences for kids to have wonder a sense of wonder I'm curious what that impact would be on on education and I I gotta believe it would be an amazing amazing thing Oh, without a doubt. I think we would all start to see, we, we would get that childlike experience again. We'd see education through the eyes of kids, which is, I think, ultimately what we ought to be doing. I agree. 
Well, thank you, Ryan, so much for joining us on Well Played today. I have had a fantastic time chit-chatting with you, and I know people are going to love this episode. And so thank you for taking the time to sort of share out your thoughts and your ideas and where you're at in this whole map creation. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's a big big honor. You know, bucket Ed bucket list item checked off. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Well, I'm super glad to have you on, and I hope to have you on again. Uh, everyone else, thank you so much for joining the Well Played community each and every week. Uh, I really, really appreciate that sharing it. For those of you that come to XP Lab, love seeing you guys in there. So thank you for being part of that. And lastly, if you could check out my YouTube channel, uh, subscribe, hit the like buttons, put on comments. That is a wonderful space to get ideas and share all sorts of wonderful experiences together. That's all we got for this week. Take care.